ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, TerraMaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. TPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talk Sandy. David Ham, welcome to ATV Talk. Um, I know that I've seen you race a three-wheeler and I know you've done some other stuff. I want to tell you that you're crazy. It's just, it's just crazy. It's just, you know, let's just get it out there, get it done. And so we can move on. Um, you're, you're fast, you're big. And how in the world did you get into three-wheelers? You know, I, I grew up in a very blessed family, um, Southern California, and uh, parents were just really outgoing. And, and every weekend we were we were as a family going somewhere and doing something. And a lot of that um, in the late late 70s was uh, was in the wintertime. We were, we were fair weather riders, but uh, we were out riding almost every weekend. And, uh, you know, we had dirt bikes and Jeeps and buggies and, and three wheelers. And, uh, you know, quads weren't even invented yet. No one even thought. But uh, just just went out with a bunch of friends and we rode all over. I mean, all the all the popular places there were to go riding. And my dad uh, definitely became a glamorous freak. So the majority of uh, the riding was done out the dunes. Um, and it was just blessed to, to grow up riding three wheelers. That's as simple as that. Not to change. Did he have a old school water pumper buggy? No, we have friends. Was- Dad wasn't all that mechanically inclined, but uh, we had lots of friends that had old old pan Volkswagens, the water pumpers. Yeah, um, you know, before the big sand roll craze really hit the scene, we were out there doing it in, in homemade contraptions that uh, uncles and friends made, and then it was just a great, great time to grow up out there at the dunes and see all that, and still consider myself a duner to this day and, and watch it evolve over the last 40, 50 years has been really cool. Yeah, we got into it. I mean, which uh, you've heard the story a, a thousand times is, you know, dad brought one home in 1969. And, uh, you know, I get my first ride on it and we tip it upside down and I crawl off dad's belly and uh, I've been hooked ever since, you know, I mean, 
Um, I'm not as much into the three wheelers as much as I am the four wheelers now, but it, it is a lot, it's an art form and you can lose it. Yeah. It seems like everybody I run in today has a, uh, you know, has a nightmare of a three wheeler story. All the people that have been in off-roading as long as I have, and you have, um, you know, at some point they either rode three wheelers or know somebody that did. And, um, they're different. They're definitely different. They got to be respected. And there is an art form to it, like you say, but, uh, you know, having having rode, I think every off road vehicle that's been invented, I think that uh, I feel I feel just as comfortable and just as safe on the three wheelers as I do on anything else myself. So I think it's just all what you grew up with and what you you know learn to adapt to. Exactly. How tall are you? I'm six two. Probably shrinking a little bit these days, but six two. Uh, you look you look taller than that when I've seen you. Uh, always from a distance. Um, most people don't realize I've, I don't remember, remember ever speaking to you at the races. Uh, I just remember seeing you, uh, from a distance and, um, you look bigger, you look yeah. big on that three wheeler. You know, when I need a haircut, sometimes it's a spiky <laughs> hair. gives me another inch or two. <laughs> I was thinking six, five, at least because you're long, you're lanky and you have the leverage to, to push that thing around. You know, it does help. Um, there are times, I mean, even last weekend um, up in Utah, uh, you know, 6'2 and, and, and heavier than most riders. And that, that extra weight helps at times. And sometimes it hurt, works against you. I mean, uh, we had a couple of whoop sections um, up in uh, Utah last weekend in the work series. And man, I see these pictures uh, of going over those whoops and, and that, that three wheeler is not liking me <laughs> and not liking the uh, 230 pounds on it, you know. Which machine do you ride mostly? You know, I love all three wheelers. I really do. I've been very blessed to have rode all of them and every make and model, I believe, at some point. Um, I have a couple different race bikes now that I kind of take mo most of them with me to the races. And based off what the terrain looks like and the mood I'm in and the competition and everything else, I, I kind of just choose my weapon, if you want to call it that. This last week weekend i raced a 86 250r just got a big bore motor in it um that's what i chose to go with and like i say it, it, different strokes for different races and i'm very right. blessed to have different things i got a couple modern machines now and even some of my older ones we've modernized them quite a bit and there's some great companies out there right now that are uh taking that evolution and, and incorporating it into three wheelers and giving us some really cool parts and toys to play with Exactly. And uh, I mean, Lauren and I, Lauren's my brother. Yeah. We have thought long and hard about where we can best do what we do. And we're so busy. Creating new is not in the cards because we're struggling to make the parts that people want for the old stuff. Yeah. And uh, so we've, we're focusing on providing that. And looking at all the new cool stuff and, you know, we actually want to play with it a little. It, we just, we're so busy. I, I don't know. I don't know when we're going to, Oh, before I lose track and forget this, have you got to ride that KTM 300 yet? I have not, but man, I've heard nothing but great things about it. And BBC uh, has, has turned it into a three wheeler. Um, and it's, Everybody I know and everything I've heard about that bike, it's probably a really, really, really cool machine. Well, the first day I get a chance to go ride, 
Take Two Custom Teas, a sponsor of the podcast. Uh, Lauren Diamond has a fuel injected or he has a carbureted version. I don't remember. He's got one of the 300s and he's offered me a ride on the motorcycle version. Um, I'm not a huge KTM fan. Sorry, KTM. Love you guys. You know, you're doing great for the sport, but I'm not a fan. Um, I want to go ride that bike because I want to know, is it really that good? I've heard nothing but great things about it. And I, my curiosity is up too. I mean, the, the, the new Honda, you know, all the new 450 stuff is in the dirt bike world is all fuel injected now too. And uh, right. wow. I, I think that in a three wheeler is, is definitely got some big pluses. I mean, even last weekend up at um, Utah, we were almost at 7,000 feet and right. you know, we had to play around with some carburations and stuff to get it to be happy at that elevation. But if you're at fuel injected, it's plug and play, man. Right on. Well, the, the the advance with the Vortex ECUs is makes it easy because you have an ignition curve knob and you have three fuel trims. Your pilot jet, your needle, and your main jet, and you just walk up with a screwdriver and click, 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 and you ride away. Uh, once you do that, working on a carburetor is like really why? Yeah, right. And and trust me, I work on a lot of carburetors, and <laughs> and I really enjoy that portion of the job. Wow. But I also really enjoy on a long, hard day, walking up and being able to click a dial and make that adjustment and not having to get down on my hands and knees and take that carburetor off or, or, or defenders off, you know, it, it, it makes a difference, but we've, we've got off track here. How did you get into the racing world? So again, writing my whole life and all kinds of different stuff. And, uh, uh, you know, there was a time I got out of riding altogether just for a very short couple of years there, uh, went away to college and, you know, all the kids kind of were in, in college doing their thing. And dad decided, you know, probably these three wheelers that I have in the back corner of the garage, I can use some extra room in the garage. So kind of got rid of the toys at that point. And I get done with school and get some money under my name and making some money. And my brother and I, miss that you know we said we want to, we got to get back into writing we've been out of it for a couple of years and uh so at that time it, it was that transition uh where everything was going to quads and the three-wheeler thing were just disappearing you could pick them up anywhere for a couple hundred bucks in everybody's garage you know nobody wanted three-wheelers anymore and uh my, my brother and i still had a soft spot for three-wheelers even though we rode quads and everybody we knew was riding quads so we went out and got a couple three-wheelers and started hitting the scene again and going to the dunes every weekend. And, um, all of a sudden I just had this urge, you know, and going out to all these great desert places in Southern California, I have always, as a kid, I, I came across great riders, racers. In fact, um, guys that were in the magazines and stuff, just out of Glamis and got a chance to meet them and, and ride with some of them. And, um, you know, they were faster than me and, and better riders than I was. This was when I was a teenager, but not, that much better. I mean, I was just kind of like, I can keep up. Let's just say that much. I can keep up. And there was this little part of me that always wanted to know what it was like to be on a, a race course and, and compete against some of these guys and get the feeling of what they felt. So I told my brother at the age, of, I was 38 years old when I got into my first race of my life. Wow. And that's, I mean, most people have hung it up by that age. And right. I, I tell my brother, I'm going to get into racing. And he goes, we're too old for that. I said, no, come on, we can do this. And uh, at that time, everybody, it was around 2004, and everything was going to 450s at that time. Mm -hmm. And um, 
he's like, well, what machine would you get? And I said, I, you know, I mean, he tells me everyone's doing four fifties now. I said, I know, but I still want, I, I'm a two stroke guy. So I went out and got an 89 TRX 250R at that time, everybody was dumping them and going to the four fifties. And I got a, a decent one. And my very first race I ever entered was at Glen Helen at the quad cross series. Okay. Yeah. Didn't know anything about racing. Never even been on a racetrack before. Not even like for a lap of practice. And so I show up at Glen Helen and I, I was the only 250R in the gate that day. Everything was 450s. And uh, didn't know what class to enter. So I entered novice and uh, got lucky on the whole shot. And around Talladega Corner came out of that in first place and never looked back and ended up winning my first race. And that's that's all it took. I was so hooked. And, and uh, <laughs> man, I, I just thought, wow, this was a feeling that I never felt before. So um, I got home, looked in when's the next race I could compete that was locally and signed up right away and won a couple races and, and then kind of started to climb, climb the food chain a little bit in divisions. And all of a sudden I hear they're racing three wheelers again. And I said, what, you know, that that's really where, where, where my heart's at, not the quad thing. So, uh, I call my brother up again, who's been riding with me all my life. I said, dude, let's, let's get, you know, he never came around and raised quads with me, but I thought, man, there's a chance he'd race three wheelers with me, but he, uh, I couldn't reel him in. So I, I dumped the TRX, couldn't afford to have multiple machines at that moment of my life, go out and find a three wheeler. Um, had been off of three wheelers for a few years. So I thought maybe it'd be good to get some seat time in. Went out and rode it a few times. We're out the Glamis, in fact, rode a few times. Um, it, it was a dune trike. I mean, that's what I bought a dune trike. And that's what I rode at Glamis was this dune trike. And I go and enter my first three wheeler race. And I don't remember if I won that one or not. Um, if I didn't win it, I did fairly well and uh, had a way more fun doing that met a whole bunch of like-minded people that were at that race. And, um, we just started racing three wheelers uh, almost every month. And then it got into every week and then multiple, uh, Southern California places were letting us come in and race and it just snowballed and we we're getting great numbers at that time. And the, we were, you know, getting a lot of press because the three wheeler things were coming back alive and then got some real great help and sponsors involved and started going all over different areas of the United States and, and seeing how we could do and just been having a blast ever since and, and, and never looked back. It's been so much fun. That's awesome. That's an awesome, that's an awesome intro into your racing career and three wheelers. So let's talk two stroke, four stroke, three wheelers. I know you've ridden both. Yeah. Um, you, 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 I, I'm sure that you love that big bore. 250R that you own. Um, what's the drawback on the four-stroke for you? I, I don't want to say it's a drawback at all. Um, you know, I've raced both. I've won nationals on a 350X. I've won national races out west on my 250R. Um, won desert races on both machines. I think that uh, they both have a, have a place. It's not one's better than the other. I won't say that. I, I still love them both for different things. Ultimately, when that two-stroke comes on the pipe, that makes me smile, man. That's a feeling, <laughs> that's a feeling that I can't get on that four-stroke. And uh, it's it's pretty cool. It's a pretty neat feeling. And for those who are four-stroke guys and are maybe younger and haven't rode any of the two-strokes, uh, you probably won't know what I'm talking about. But 
go give the two stroke a try. And when it comes up on that power band and that pipe, and that's a different type of feeling than you'll ever get on any four stroke, as you well know. Oh, hey, I, I I'm a four stroke lover now because of age um, and some injuries. But yes, the thrill of a two stroke still lights that fire. You know, you still got to love it. And I love it until the injury takes over. And then, you know, I'm like, okay, you know, fun's over, you know, let's go back. Let's go back to the, to the easy ride, you know, where it doesn't hurt. And and I I am, I think I've always been a more of a four stroke uh, finesse rider versus not even a finesse rider, but um, I just had a better feel for the four stroke motor. I always seem to over rev the two strokes. So um, I did struggle a bit with them. Okay. Um, loved them, you know, tuned, you know, thousands of them with, you know, with, with the, with the tutelage of my brother. But, um, you know, I just, when we went to the 450 style motor with that sh- uh, short stroke, big piston that revs higher than the two stroke, smoother to hold on. Um, I just adapt, my skill set just adapted to that faster. Absolutely. I, I have a, a new 450 three-wheeler, new to me, I should say. Um, and I've been racing that a lot the last year. And uh, in fact... Carbureted have, or fuel-injected? Uh, it's it's carbureted. Okay. It's, it's, a, it's okay. a TPC, so they started off with the 450 Honda Quad okay. um, and, and adapted it into a three-wheeler. And um, I love it. It's, it's awesome. It, I love the way it handles. It took me a little bit of a while to get used to it. It was a different animal um, in, in a lot of different ways. But once I gotten used to it, it, uh, it, it's made me a little bit lazy. Like I say, I got back on the big boy two stroke this last weekend and, uh, it was kind of a reality check the first lap or two of the race as far as, wow, a lot of shifting going on here and, um, a little bit more clutch work involved. Um, again, I'm not saying one's better than the other. It's different strokes for different folks. I do love them both. I do think they both have advantages in certain circumstances. But uh, yeah, I, I'm definitely liking the modernized suspension, the modernized everything about the 450. I mean, it's it's modern. I was just getting to going to ask: Have you taken the new style suspension upgrades with possibly upside downs, or even the old conventionals, and adapted them to your three wheeler? We did. We put inverted, yeah, we put inverted forks on on the 250Rs. Um, and the tunability of that is, is, is where I think it's at. Um, I had some really nice suspension, stock 86 suspension that was tuned really nice. But once you get that suspension set up on the 250Rs to, to change it, it's a lot of work. But yet when you have these new inverted forks, you can put, turn that knob on the top, turn that knob on the bottom and get a completely different feel out of these modern forks. The tunability of them is really cool and really impressive. So, and a little bit more travel too than the old 86 forks. So, um, you know, I really think that having all the modern tools on these trikes and there's some great companies out there right now building all kinds of modern new parts for these, even the old 250Rs, there's a lot of companies building really cool stuff. There. What are you, what did you do for the rear shock? So there's a few different companies that you're doing a lot of guys are taking the 450 swing arms and adapting them to the 250rs mm-hmm. and then they can use all the 450 rear shocks and everything and linkage and all that kind of stuff and that's a real 
popular thing that people are doing. Um, in fact, I was on the phone with Elka earlier today, uh, Jed over there, and we're working on some real modern, nice stage five shocks for the, the 85, 86, 250Rs that we've been doing some testing on. And um, that's going to be that's going to be a deal changer really for that 86. And that's, that's using the 86 swing arm and everything, um, you know, age appropriate, but putting a brand new modern state of the art shock on that bike. And that's going to be a real big, big advantage to anybody that's still, especially with, especially with the inverted forks and, and the mod of, Oh, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe I could be coaxed into riding one. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, you're back in slowly. That's what they hey, that you know. There again, I'm not one to jump into a three wheeler anytime soon. But the intrigue of the modern four stroke motor with the modern suspension, and then you know what really has really got me that really hooked me, and I just choke on saying it yeah. is that KTM. That, that, the, the 300 yeah because yeah. because you, you i don't know about you but being a, a, a motorhead i guess for lack of a better word you know i love motorcycle racing i love watching off-road racing whether it's three-wheelers four-wheelers motorcycles it, it doesn't matter i mean if if that's what we're watching that's i'm in yeah yeah and I watch these videos of these men ride these two strokes in environment that I'm thinking, gosh, this has just got to beat you to death. And these guys are just like on a Sunday cruise waving at their buddies and, and they're yeah. doing things. And, and the guys on the four strokes can't ride through the same sections. So, I mean, I, I hate to get off topic, but I, I think that we got to go try this thing out because, yeah. you, you know, I haven't reached out to BBC yet. I want to. I'm just so busy in my normal day. And I want to make sure that when I reach out to them, I have time to talk to them and um, give them the, 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 the just do that they deserve because they uh, I was a little skeptical in the beginning looking at some of the stuff. But now, you know, after talking to Davey, uh, he really loves his. Now I've talked to you and I've talked to a couple other people and they really love what they're doing. Um, yeah, Davey's, Davey's, he's tough, man. He's, he's riding that thing. Like he's been on it his whole life. That's impressive to me because he hasn't been on his whole life, but he's, he's making it look pretty easy right now. Yeah. Isn't he? Yeah. You think it's the, do you think it's the modernization of it? You think you know, he actually, old? Well, no, he's he's an amazing rider. I don't care what you put him on. I mean, he's he's winning races and side by sides right now. He's dominated quads for for a long, long time. Um, he's he he knows how to ride almost anything, as well as Bo does as well. I mean, Bo has he can ride a three wheeler as well, just as probably as well as Davey. And uh, he's just choosing not to go that road right now. But um, you know, they're they're pro athletes and they're pro racers. And it seems like they can adapt to almost anything with a motor that you put them on. And I'm witnessing that with Davey and he's, he's just getting faster every time I race against them. It's, it's crazy. I, uh, you know, again, he, he's, he's a pro racer and he's making it sh show. And he's half your age. Yeah. that I, I try not to talk about that kind of thing, but yeah, <laughs> it's got to have a little bit to do with something, but I, uh, I don't like to think about that. Just, just keep, keep moving forward and keep smiling. Is what I keep telling myself. Did you get to go back to Astrobula? 
I've been back there three times. I went back for the big 50th, which was amazing the year before last. That was awesome. I mean, uh, we had, don't quote me on this, but I, I think we had over 300 three-wheelers there. So, I mean, we had multiple classes. There was five and six rounds of qualifying to get to the main. Uh, I went back there with a, a team that we took five different three-wheelers and raced in four different classes. And um, it, it was amazing. It was the best experience that I've ever had on three-wheelers to, to be around that kind of competition and that many guys. And I mean, all the, all the big name pro guys from yesteryear were back there, Jimmy, Mike, D- Dean, and uh, everybody was there. And it was cool to, to hang out with those guys in that environment. And, they all got out there and raced too. And that was cool to see them in action. And uh, I tell you, it, that you mentioned age. Those guys are crazy fast still to this day. Don't let them fool you. I mean, I know they've all been on your show and they talk about being too old for that. This was two years ago when they all got on a three-wheeler again. And I was standing right there at the gate. In fact, Mike Coe rode my trike and uh, he ended up winning the race. And I think his lap times were a second or two slower than the pro racers on three wheelers that were one third of his age that day. I mean, he, he is still a force to be reckoned with on a three wheeler if he chose to be. All those guys, it was cool to watch. Oh, I bet it was. Lauren and I were supposed to go and uh, just the onslaught of business and life to, made it so that we couldn't. But uh, yeah, that's that's incredible that you said that um, when you travel back East to race um, what's your favorite format, the TT or the motocross? You know, I, I get my first race ever on a three wheeler was motocross. And for a long time, that was all I was doing. Um, the only TT we really have a, a quality out West right now. There really isn't any compared to what they're doing back in like East in the neat series. So the few times that I've been able to go back east and race back there, uh, it's been a challenge for me. I mean, I got on the podium once, um, got the main almost every time, but just a little bit of a struggle, that style of racing for me. You know, I'm, when I go back there, all those guys, that's all they do back there. Or the majority of, of that's what they do. They got that stuff dialed, their machines are dialed, their, their tire selections dialed in. I mean, you know all that goes to that style of racing. There's oh, a whole lot science. that goes into it. It's and a science. You, to go down to, to go back and just jump in at that elite level back there. Um, we struggled, we struggled, like I say, uh, so just, I mean, for the, for the sake of competition, it's amazing to go back there and be able to race with all those guys. And there's so much talent. There's so many guys that are just super fast at that style of racing. Um, but I haven't been all that successful at it really haven't. And so the motocross and now we're getting into the, to the desert racing. I just, got back three, four weeks ago from Vegas to Reno. And, uh, you know, so many of these big, um, organizations are opening their arms up to three wheelers right now. And we've been knocking on that door for 15 years, trying to get them to let us in. And it's, it's been slow. And, and all of a sudden it's just blossomed where almost every race organization across the country right now is, inviting three wheelers to come and open arms and smiling and the fans are loving it. And the numbers are growing pretty quick and uh, both with vintage machines and brand new modern stuff, it's popping in there all the time too. So it's really cool. It's really a neat time to be involved with three wheeler racing again, because it's kind of like a resurrection of it. It's uh, it's happening all over again. I mean, 
when it first started way back when it started small scale and and then all of a sudden they started Honda started into the Baja 1000 and it started growing and growing and growing and then obviously the bubble popped as you know but we've been slowly growing over the last 10 12 years to the point now where they're all saying come on let's bring as many you can let's have some fun it's really really cool do you think that Vegas Torino or Best in the Desert is looking for the entries or they're just willing to have the racers race? I think they're just willing to have the racers race. I mean, they had record breaking entries this year for that race. They had more entries than they've ever had. So they're not hurting for entries right now. Um, even without the three wheelers, we were just a dot in their, in their entry list. I mean, they're not hurting for entries. They got record breaking numbers right now. Well, dude, Vegas to Reno, I, I mean, the two greatest races I've ever ridden, Vegas to Reno, rendezvous. I mean, you, you can't, there's nothing that compares to that. Nothing in my world has ever compared to that. I agree with you 100%. That was my uh, my biggest race that I've done. I didn't have the success I was looking for, but I'm already counting the days to go back next year. And uh, it's going to be awesome. And the excitement's out there right now with three wheelers. There's so many people calling me and texting me and emailing me about that race. And I think next year we're going to have good, good numbers and three wheelers in that race. Are you going to ride the four stroke or are you going to ride the two stroke? Um, more than, we were on the four stroke this year. We had some issues, um, didn't finish. Uh. Um, but I would like to say probably going with the four stroke again next year. I mean, I'm not hundred percent certain yet on who's going to be on the team or what machine, because it's just so far away and got a lot to test and tune and try and think about between now and then. But if you had to make me just choose right now, I'd probably say the four fifty four show. That's, you know, that, that I think for that style race, it's, it's almost a better choice because uh, if you can, you can get a higher mile an hour out of that four stroke than you can that two stroke. And I'm not saying that the motor builders or the motor builder is not doing his job. He's doing his job, but he's limited. That yeah. R is only going to go so fast because you have to be careful. You can't make it too big because if you make it too big for that length of time, it's just not going to live. Right, so if you right. go to a 450 with, relatively mild mods it'll go you know a thousand miles no problem i i, I truly believe you're on to something like i say we got invited to get that race they, they only let us in in 30 days before so nobody knew that three wheelers were going to be racing in that race more than 30 days before that race we got the oh, invite wow. to that we could come so we had I mean, you know there's a lot of preparation that goes into oh, that kind of race so we only had 30 days to get ready for it and we did the best we could. We knew that there was going to be a long shot to do very well in it. We put together, I thought we put together a real nice package and unfortunately it just didn't work out. But the coolest part of that race for me was um, the fact that it was, it was my first big team race, you know? So I, we had people from all over the United States on my team. It was cool. I made some phone calls a couple of weeks before and they were all in and we had, uh, we had guys, you know, Dwight Jekyll came in from North Carolina. Jeff Corelli came in from Florida. Um, it was awesome. We brought in some really nice talent and gave it a good shot and just came up a little short, but it's all good. We're, gonna, we're all excited. We all learned a lot and we can't wait to do it again. Let me ask you a question. Have you looked at, because tires are always an issue, 
And when you're racing in the four-wheeler class, flat tires can cost you the race. One flat can cost you the race. So, you know, they're using inserts. We did too. Some guys use balls. Some guys use blocks. When you're riding a four-wheeler, it's critical that your tires are the same size to a point. But with a three-wheeler, it's almost mandatory. Um, it, who are you working with and, and how are you managing to keep the tires the same diameter? So we, for that race, we went with, uh, Max's tires. They're, they make some real beefy, heavy duty tires that can take punishment, but we took it a step further. Like you said, we went with tire blocks and Ken from tire blocks helped us out with those. And we were to put those in all the tires and, um, we were real happy with our tires in that race. Like I say, we, we only made it about 160 miles before. We had some failure, but I would do the exact same thing I did with the tires. But it's like you said, one flat tire can put you completely out of the race right. if it happens in the wrong place. So we weren't messing around. It seemed like everybody that's doing anything well in quads and side-by-sides are running either blocks or balls in their tires to avoid that problem. And so um, we did the same. I mean, it was all a learning curve. We never had done a 500 mile race on a three wheeler before. So it was a whole lot of reaching out to the quad guys and finding what they're doing and adapting the machine to be the best machine that we think we could come up with. Well, going back a little bit to what you said on uh, that 450, you know, being the right machine. One of the things that I really love about the 250R and, and the 350X that I've raced in these long desert races is they got a six speed transmission, man. And None of the modern stuff has a six-speed tranny. And so when you can get that sixth gear to, to wind up, you're hitting some pretty good speed, especially with tall tires like you would in a desert race. And uh, there's been many, many times where I've walked on 450s simply because I got an overdrive and they don't. Um, I believe it's who you face. Absolutely, it is. There's not a 250R. There's not a 250R on the planet that's going to run with one of my 450s. Agree. Not going to happen. You know. And, and who's riding it has a lot to do with it as well. True. You know, but but as far as power goes and power delivery, acceleration out of the turn, um, I I feel, and please don't take this the wrong way. I'm I'm, I'm talking from experience oh. in in my personal world your age at 50 and the guys that you're bringing in Jekyll at his age, because he's in the same category. The other gentleman, I don't know who he is. Same category. Um, so the four stroke is going to give you an added comfort zone for durability at your age. Um, that can make you competitive with any of the kids that you race against, especially if they're racing on a two stroke and, and to some point, your experience and your um, just the overall how you look at life is different than a youth, the, the younger guys, you're going to make better decisions. So with that four stroke and the better decisions, that's probably going to put you on, on the box and it puts you in front of some of the younger teams because uh, of the age and experience of the, just the wisdom, you know, that, that's just how I view it. Great advice. Uh, you, you know, I mean, if you came to me and said, hey, what were you going to do? And I'd be putting you on a four-stroke all day long just because, A, I know the platform's good. Um, if the motor's put together right, it's going to finish, you know, a little yeah. bit of tuning. 
a little bit of testing with the blocks and the tuning for the three-wheeler would, would go into play, but man, that would just be an experience and so much fun. It was the best experience we've all had. Everybody that was a part of our team from, from the guys doing the pits and, and everything, it was, everybody walked away with a lot of learning that we took, got out of it. And they all said, what an experience, you know, best experience all of us had. We all agreed at the end of that thing that it was awesome and we can't wait to do it again. And, uh, you know, when I was kind of putting together the team and deciding who I wanted to be on the team as far as the riders go, you nailed it. I was thinking, you know, there's some young, fast guys out there that aren't going to get tired. But the number one goal and what we talked about prior to that race, as riders, our goal was to hand the bike off to the next guy in the same running condition as we got it. Yep. And that means no crashes, no hiccups. And if it's a little bit slower than, than you have to go, then that then that's the goal. The goal is to hand that bike off to the next person in as best condition as you can give it to them. And, you know, and, and inviting the right people. I wanted people that don't crash. Right. I mean, there's a lot of guys out there winning races that crash a lot. And um, I didn't want that to be a problem. Let's just say that much. Let me ask you this question. I know you, you didn't get very far, but I've raced Vegas Torino. I've built bikes to race Vegas Torino. And when I was racing it, some of the terrain hadn't been used um, in a while, the ruts on the sides from the, the bigger cars and some of the trucks that had gone through there were kind of deep. So a three-wheeler having to run where the front tire is in the center. Yeah. You're running over some trails that have growth. Right. And have rocks. Um, what were your guys' thoughts in dealing with some of that because obviously you've ridden jeep trails obviously you've went out on your three-wheeler and ridden in so many different kinds of terrains that you have to protect that front wheel um what steps did you guys take uh or, or would you look at to make it more reliable well you're, you're absolutely right our front tire just the way a three-wheeler works it's going over stuff that no other tire on that race course is going over. The quads aren't running that line that our front tire is running. The dirt bikes aren't running that line. No one's running that line. So we talked about that as well. And there, there was, there was little mini cactuses that were growing <laughs> in the middle of that quad trail that our front tire was having to dodge. So we were, we were very aware of it. And, and again, we were picking our lines. There were times when we just had to slow down a little bit and get that front tire off of that center mound to preserve it and to save it and, and to be smart about that. I mean, we had tire blocks in there, but at the same time, we didn't want, we didn't want it to disintegrate that front tire and riding a three wheeler with a front tire that it's not of par is a, is a tough chore, especially when you got 50 miles in between bits. Right. Right. So, so um, anything special done to the, because on the four stroke, the pipe doesn't hang down there. So you're not as worried about it, but you still got to run a chassis skid. Did you go to the plastic style uh, skid frame skid, or did you run a, a traditional aluminum? We had a traditional aluminum. We, we put a whole bunch of extra mounts on the frame. Um, you know, I've ran aluminums in almost all my races, never gone 500 miles before, but in hundred mile races, um, and it's very rare to finish the race and not have one of those bolts that hold that skid plate either come loose a little bit or fall out altogether. So we were, everything on the trike had Loctite on it or was wire tied or extra 
things were built. So this was a one-off build that we put together in, in 30 days and we put extra tabs on that frame. And there was, I think we had eight mounts for that skid plate up there underneath that motor where I think normally it's four. Right. We just went overboard on everything. And um, like I say, had the motor had not had a little hiccup, we were running strong. Everyone was feeling great. I, I think that uh, everyone, the great part about this was everybody got a chance to ride. Good. And so we all got a taste of it. And I, I like to believe we were only to get stronger as the race went on. None of us were tired. The adrenaline was flowing. The bike was running great. It was handling amazing. Um, we couldn't have been happier until it just didn't go anywhere. Wow. That's, that's heartbreaking, but I get it. I mean, we've all, we've all been there, you know, all of us. I mean, yeah. I, I, I rebuilt an engine on a tailgate uh, in the terrible town 250 <laughs> so that, so that Doug Eichner and Steve Bielman could finish one day and uh, you know, put a crank in a motor in a 250 R just, you're just like, really? on the tailgate, <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it happens, you know, it happens. So, um, I, I get that. And, and I think that you guys did a great job. Uh, what was the machine that actually finished and won the race? So it was a, a 350 X. Oh, nice. Um, and, uh, he, he had some cool stuff done to it. It wasn't hundred percent stock, but, uh, you know, it was just great that he finished and, and he ironmaned it. Oh. He did the whole thing by himself and uh, finished the race and, and, and ended up winning. And uh, really, really cool story, man. He, he's, he, he's an awesome guy. I got to know him a little bit and talk to him at the finish line and, and get his perspective on it all. And, and it was really special that he, he did what he did and how he did it and all that kind of stuff. It's a great story by itself. Yeah. One of the magazines that knows him is trying to get him connected with me. Um, but I guess he's in a high demand right at the moment. Absolutely. It was funny talking to him uh, a couple of days after the race and we reached out to him to see how he was feeling and how sore he was and all that stuff. And he, he couldn't believe the amount of uh, press and publicity and the amount of people that are strangers to him that were just reaching out to him out of the woodwork and wanted to be his friend on Facebook and everything else that goes with it. So it was Again, it was just great press for three-wheeler racing in general to have a three-wheeler finish that race. Yeah, because when was the last time a three-wheeler raced it? I was talking to Mike Coe about this, and we believe it was 87. I would have to say that's pretty pretty close, yeah. So, you know? I don't know for certain. I didn't look dig into it as a historian, so to speak, but I would, I, at least 30 years. Let's say at least 30 years, if not 40. Yeah, because it's, uh, wow, 85, they were still there, 86. Yeah, 87 was pretty much the cutoff everywhere. Yeah. You know, they took them out of, I mean, abruptly took them out of the schedule. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool because, like I say, to do that race and to have that kind of publicity, it's just going to help three-wheelers get in, into every avenue there is. I mean, we're, we're already kind of getting open-arm treatment uh, across the United States and, and every race we want to race. But those that were a little bit hesitant, I think, are going to turn the corner soon because um, it, there's the writing on the wall. I mean, there hasn't been any major injuries, knock on wood. There hasn't been any any negativity with three-wheeler racing. And I mean, even this last weekend up at the works race, we had a full gate of three-wheelers and um, no one got hurt. 
Right. I mean, racing, racing is inherently dangerous. I don't care if you're on a three-wheeler, four-wheeler, a motorcycle or a UTV, it's inherently dangerous. So you have to know what you're getting into when you throw your leg over. And in some countries, they don't care what it is. You throw your leg over, it's on you. Yeah. And, And I agree with that, you know. Me too. I, I, I think it's just pure of the sport. Like I say, any form of racing, there is a good chance you're going to get hurt. It's not, it's, it's not even a matter of if it's a matter of when it happens to the best of them. I, I look at some of the kids racing and I see how fast they are, how fast they are and how reckless they are. And I just think, you know, how is he going to respond after the first bounce? Yeah. Right. Right. You know, I mean, you got guys like, you know, Doug Gust and Doug Eichner, and you look at some of the scars and some of the injuries and some of the things that they've endured and they kept racing and kept racing and kept racing. And, you know, Doug is like Doug Eichner because he's my friend. It's like, ah, no big deal. Whatever. It's just what I did. He, he raced this weekend with us, last weekend with us. He was up yeah. there. Yeah, it was really cool to see him out there, man. It was awesome. And, and he... You know, I can't say that I started it, but I, you know, hey, why don't you go out and race the 50 plus class? Now that he's racing the 50 plus class, I'm not coming back. Yeah. Um, he's going to race it. I, why am I going to go out and get embarrassed? You know, I'm still pissed about getting beat by 26 seconds in Vegas Torino by the guy. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, here's mechanic, you help build his stuff, and then he goes out and beats you. Really? You know, come on. Can't, you can't give me one. Yeah, I think I'd rather lose by an hour than 26 seconds or whatever it was. That's crazy. Well, when we went across the finish line, they told us that we won by four seconds. The calculation was four seconds. And then about 40 minutes later, they had recalculated because someone didn't show up. And when they recalculated, we lost by 26 seconds. Talk about an emotional roller coaster that had to be. You know, we were kind of in shock. So it didn't really, uh, we weren't, I wasn't in elated and plus I was tired. And, um, I remember Doug being pissed. (laughs) And then when he found out, he was just like, whew, you know, got away with that one, you know? Um, (laughs) but you know, I've been around Doug a long time and, and he just, that's all he wants to do is race and win. You know, and I agree if you're going to go, we're going for first place. We're not going there to get second. Absolutely. I mean, I think that the majority of racers that are successful all have that same vibe in them. It's when you're on that starting line. Um, most racers, it's it, we're, we're kind of poor sports. I know I've kind of turned into that. It's I, I try to be against it and I try to hide that emotion a little bit. But if I'm not on top of the box, I'm not happy. And um, it's you know second and. Tenth are exactly the same in my mind. It doesn't even matter. It, it's it's a weird, it's a weird philosophy, and it's hard to. I know it's wrong. I, I know I shouldn't know that way, but I think I, those I, that are good think that way. As a competitor, I don't think it's wrong. As a sportsman, it's wrong. There you go. Um, it when I roll a bike to the starting line, I expect it to win. You know, obviously I'm not going to be the guy on it because I don't, I'm not that skilled anymore. And, and I've always been a better mechanic than I have a race, but was a racer. I got to win a few races and I got to have a little fun, but that, that was just 
by accident, I think. But when I push that machine out there and there's all that blood, sweat and tears in that machine and I know what it can do, I believe in my heart there's nobody better and there is nothing better. And and I expect that rider to win. Yeah, I, I, I'm right there with you. I, I've been super blessed since, since early on in three wheelers to get involved with some very uh, uh, reputable and talented motor builders and suspension guys and all that. So um, when I'm on that starting line and I'm sitting on whatever machine I choose to go with and I look left and I look right, it's a great feeling to know that you are on the best machine on that line. And that if you can't make that machine win, it's not the machine's fault. It's, 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 it's your fault. Right. Right. And that's literally the way I feel at that starting line every single time it's I'm on the best machine here. All I got to do is make this machine do what it's supposed to do. Exactly. It's a good let, feeling. Let me ask you a question. I'm going to get a little personal and you can, uh, you can reflect off if you like. Um, what's the future hold for you? I, I know you're 50 years old and we can't race forever. Um, what do you, what do you see in the future? You know, I'm already, uh, I want to be 70 and, and at races and, and watching three wheelers still race 25 years from now and go, man, I used to do that one day. And maybe even have a couple of those guys that are doing it, guys that maybe I uh, helped helped them a little bit and get there, and um, maybe gave them some pointers, you know, to to get them up on top of that box at some point. And uh, I think that'd be a cool feeling, you know. Again, we can't do it forever, but uh, to be involved with it in some capacity forever, and 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 to really try to get more youth involved in three wheelers today. Even at the race last weekend, there was all these, uh, you know, 15, 16 year old kids coming up to us in the pits and looking at the machines and asking that. And it, I'm always trying to get them to ride it, you know, go have you rode a three wheeler, you know, they're here, they're racing quads, they're, they're having fun, they're into racing, but yet the whole three wheeler thing's kind of a mystery to them a little bit. They have never rode one, but we need to, I need to reel more of those guys in and, and to keep it going and show everyone that they're not as dangerous as they got a bad reputation to be. And, um, you know, I think that I want to ride and race to answer your question more straight up. I, I want to keep going. I mean, there's a couple guys out there that got me by 10 years that are still out there having fun. And, uh, at, at some stage soon, probably I'm not going to be as successful as I've been fortunate enough and blessed to have been in my past. And, uh, that'll be, Probably a little bit of a tough pill to swallow, but I hope that I can be at a, a good place in my life to say, you know what, I'm, I want to keep doing it because I love doing it. And it's not necessarily that I have to get on top of that box anymore to really have a lot of fun and to keep doing this. That's pretty awesome. Uh, are you going to have your, your boys race? No, they haven't shown interest in it. Um, when they were really young, I had a little quad and they would go out riding the quad and I taught them how to ride and that, and they were just kind of like, eh, not my cup of tea. And they don't really, they're not into it. And I'm just going to support them at everything they want to do. And hopefully they'll keep trying stuff. They haven't found their niche, so to speak yet, but they're, they're trying all the sports and they're having a good time with them. And some of them, they um, find that that's not for them and they don't want to sign up next season for whatever it is, but um, I'm fine with them never racing or never riding if that's what they choose to do, but I'm okay with it. 
That's awesome. I just think that you never know later in life, the spark may happen. And, you know, I think I was a later bloomer on, on riding, you know, I, I mean, I rode my whole life, but I didn't really get aggressive with it until I was like 17. Wow. Um, as far as where I, you know, I want to win. I don't want to just go out and ride around. I want to, I want to win. And so you, you see the, the change in, in people, everybody's light comes on or the years came on at 38. Yeah. You know? So it's never over. It's never over. So, yeah. you know, you could be racing them at 70. Yeah. Are you, I mean, I know you're not traveling like you have in your past and you, you're not, um, you know, as heavily involved with it that you've been in your past. Do you miss it? And do you plan on getting more involved like you were in your past? Um, I work on four or five machines that race works now. Yep. So I'm prepping them, uh, working with riders, uh, working with, with some development. Um, this will come out after Glen Helen, but we're thinking about going there as a media company. Awesome. I'm, not, I'm not a media guy, but the, the girls keep telling me I'm a media guy. Uh, <laughs> so we're thinking about doing that. And I'll probably, if I do that, I'll be working with uh, also uh, a rider uh, because he is needing some help. Um, to answer your question, I love going to the races. I've always loved going to the races. That's probably the only reason I've done this for as long as I have is because I love going to the races. Um, will I go back? I don't know. Um, there's some extenuating circumstances that, that, that bring me to the races now. Um, I'm working with prepping some bikes for one of the, the teams that has just a ton of riders out there on different machines. Uh, if they need me full time, we'll work something out. Uh, I love developing. Well, what I mean by that is when a rider or riders come and need instruction, a portion of what I teach will take them to a level where then they can go to another skilled level and learn more and take what I teach and what they teach, put it together and, and then go to the next level and go to the next individual. Um, if you, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about because of the people that are involved in your pro program, they're multidimensional. Um, they mesh some ideas from one guy don't work with the other guy but there's pieces in there that you put together um, work, working with the youth. Uh, this isn't supposed to be about me. It's supposed to be about you, but working with riders in general, youth, older, doesn't matter. Uh, I, I'm working into some of that. Joe bird is offered to um, instruct me on cool. some things uh, to elevate my game so that when I'm working with people, I'm, I'm on a, I'm on a higher level uh, so that I can give them more information or be able to give advice that is in the language and in the terminology that works better for that individual. Yeah. Uh, I, I am an old school communicator. I don't have some of the modern day techniques. 
And Joe's been a teacher for a writing teacher for 25 plus years. Um, there's some other guys out there that do some really good writing schools. And, you know, I, I talked to Bo, I talked to Doug Eichner. I talked to uh, Tavis Kane. I talked to Travis Spader. I've talked to Marty Hart. You know, you just Jimmy White, all everybody I talked to Mike Coe, Dean Sun, all of these people have lessons to learn. The problem with, one of our things that go on in our world, three wheelers or four wheelers, nobody listens. <laughs> when, when a guy like Dean Sundahl says something, shut your phone off, tilt your head so that you can hear him because he's very soft spoken and listen to what the man says. You may not agree with everything he says. You may not agree with what he does, but when you've won as many races as that guy has, and go as fast as he does, you listen to what the man says. 100% agree. I've been blessed to have uh, befriended and, and built relationships with most of the people that you just mentioned right now. And, uh, you know, hung out with Jimmy and and uh, Mendenhall and Co. and Sundahl and all the greats from yesteryear that were, were the biggest and best three-wheeler riders to ever walk the planet. And... Uh, when I'm around them, I'm all ears. And I, I am just, like you said, every little word, I, I'm a student of those guys. And they don't probably don't even realize it, but even when I leave their presence, I'm rethinking everything they said. And uh, I, they don't even, they're not even aware that I've done what I've done and been as fortunate as I have because of the knowledge that they've shared with me. I've taken bits and pieces from all those guys and uh, they're all, if those guys were to build three wheeler schools and, and make something happen, that would be amazing. That would be so amazing. I don't, I don't know speaking to Jimmy and I don't know speaking to Mike, if it's something that they, if there was a singular event, they may do something like that. Maybe maybe once a year, maybe once in a while, maybe once every couple of years. I don't know if you could get them locked into it. Um, some of the three wheeler guys that I've spoken to want to leave it there, and and I get it. I've talked to some four wheeler guys that retired, and they want to leave it there. And and as you get older. When you get to that point and you say, I'm done, you may want to talk about it. You may want to work on them. You may want to do something, but some individuals, when they, when they're done, they're done. And yeah. it's just, it's just the way it is. And um, there's a couple really highly intelligent men that I'm still trying to get a hold of that race three wheelers that I know have stories and have information. Um, and it's difficult. It's difficult. Yeah. I know without mentioning names, I know some of the people that you're talking about. And, uh, like I say, you've had so many of them on your show. They've had some great stories. Um, some of them, like you say, they're done. They don't want to do anything. I, I was so cool to be able to see them at Ashtabula all get on three wheelers again because right. some of these individuals that you're referring to that are done they jump back on the saddle one more time 
just yep. for the, for the sake of uh, being a part of the festivities there. And that was really neat. That I was so I'm so it'll be a memory I always remember is standing there watching all those guys go around that track. And and uh, you know, in in my opinion, um, they're the best of the best. And and I don't know, I, there's some guys out there right now that are fast that are good, but to see those guys going around the track as fast as they did as old as they are today. And most of them hadn't even rode a three-wheeler in 30 years. Right. They got on that one and it was like, they were racing yesterday. It was, I was in awe and all, all of us were in awe. And uh, it, it shows to me how much faster and talented they truly were compared to us weekend warriors that are doing it once a month, three times a year or whatever. Um, nowadays, you know, they did it for a living. They did it every day, day in and day out for years. But think about this. Huge difference. Think about this. They did it with, in some cases, lesser tire technology, lesser suspension technology, and slower motors. Yeah. And And it makes it it that much more impressive. The speeds that they went. I I don't think the modern day three-wheeler racer can go that fast. But I'm also biased yeah. and I'm also prejudiced because I'm still uh, whatever you want to call it a fanboy. Okay, those are the, those are the guys. <laughs> those are the guys. You know, I'm, I mean, I got great I'm hair. Right there with you. you, you know, and I'm getting giddy over talking about you know the the, the Mike Coes and the Marty Hart's and the you know the Dean Sundals and uh, you, you know you talk about some of these guys and you just like wow these are legends these are well I'm out there winning races and still having fun and doing it, but I'm right there with you. No matter what any of us today do and think how fast we are, in my opinion, we don't hold accountable to those guys. And, uh, and again, they, they, I agree with you. I think that our technology today is better. I think our machines are more modern to say, I won't say, you know, maybe better is not the right word to use, but definitely more modern. Yep. Um, but again, even watching the old videos that I'm able to drum up and research they're flying man those guys were flying can you imagine some of the jumps they did on the suspension of yesteryear when it didn't work that good right imagine what they would do today if they were in their prime and then when the suspension worked right oh my gosh i know i i mean it, it kentucky had just some astronomically huge jumps Gatorback. I mean, you talk about some of the, and I didn't get to go see those races. I just got to see the pictures and I'm just like, Oh, I would never jump that. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's unbelievable. David, I want to thank you so much for coming on ATV talk and spending some time with me. Um, as I usually do, um, I'm on a, extend the invitation to have you back at some point, because I know that we missed something. I know that we didn't talk about something we were supposed to talk about. Um, being a fan of your sport, three wheelers and being a span as fan of the ATV world. Um, that's why this is here. That's why ATV talk came into existence because I want to tell the story, but I don't want, to, I don't want me to tell the story. I want you to tell the story. And that's why we're here tonight. And that's why we're doing this is because all those young kids that you were talking about at works, 
They need to hear the story so that they know that there's history and that this isn't just a fluke thing that people are doing. Uh, Three wheelers started their industry uh, right. and, and we need to keep it alive. Yeah. And like I said, I'm so blessed to still be out there doing it today and doing what I love. And at the end of the day, it's all about smiles. Like even at the last race at the finish line, we were all there. And I looked at everybody that was there at the finish line. And I said, we all won guys. We're all sitting here smiling. And uh, you know, that's what it's all about. And, uh, I think it's just the, the three wheeler people in general, uh, they're kind of like old souls. I don't know how else to describe it other than that. And, and uh, I don't know. I haven't met many people that aren't really cool, good-hearted people that race three wheelers. Everybody that's out there doing it are good people, really good people. I think racing in general, but maybe I'm a little bit biased at the three wheeler people because I know them better. I guess maybe, but right. there's a lot of really, really, really good people out there in the three wheeler world. And and I agree with that. And I think that it's a family based environment for the three wheelers and the four wheelers, unlike with some of the motor motorcycle stuff that when you get to a point, the family base isn't there or the, you know, we're wearing a different flag, so we can't talk to you. Um, maybe kind of like it was in the old days. Uh, I, I know that that in my younger years, that's, we experienced that where the camps didn't intermingle and you didn't, you didn't go talk to those guys. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And now when you go to the races, I talk to everybody. I don't care what flag you're flying, you know, it's, um, Oh, you need this. I got one. Could you come on over to the trailer, you know, and you dig it out and you, and you hand it to them and, and they say, well, what, what do you want? And just, you know, give, give it back to me when you're done with it or, or give me a new one, whatever, you know, have fun. Well, I'm, I'm blessed. I agree. I, I, I'm blessed. I bring extra trikes with me to races just for backups, but there's been many, many, many times where somebody else's trike has gone down for whatever reason and say, take that one. And they're like, really? I said, yes, absolutely. Take it. That's what it's here for. It'll get you on the line or get me on the line or whatever. And uh, I, I think that 99% of them would do the same for me. Right. Yep. And, and what it does is when you do that, it breeds that into the next, into that person. And then it goes to the next person. So it's one act of random kindness will change the world. And if we keep doing it, the, our, our environment's only going to get better in our racing world, you know, and it's going to teach the young that you're all there doing the same thing. And yeah, you ride for this guy and yeah, you ride for that guy. But if that guy's not on the starting line with you, you may have won, but it was a half-hearted win. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. You gave him that part and you still beat him. Then you beat him with your part. And now you can hold your head even higher. I, I actually lost the race on somebody else on my bike. <laughs> but it was probably an amazing, you know, you were probably just as happy because your bike won. It was awesome. It was really cool. Good friend of mine used my bike and beat me. It was really cool. I've given parts to people and gotten beat by it. And just, you know, people are like, why'd you do that? Well, because if I, we would have won and he didn't race, uh, how would that, how, how good would that be? Right. You know, he's better today. It's his day. Yeah, you know? definitely. I, uh, you know, I know you guys are, are legendary in, in off-road racing and stuff like that. 
but having uh, companies like Duncan um, maybe think about helping out some young three-wheeler guy somewhere in the future would be awesome because that's what's going to help this thing keep going. We have a support program that's available. Um, there's some requirements. And right now, to be totally honest with you, we are so out of stock. Yeah. Certain parts that it's, uh, I, I'm, I'm shaking my head going, I can't even, I can't even give it to the retail customer that's walking in the door. It's very difficult to, to roll it over to a racer. And, um, yeah, but we do have a support program, uh, f- with the four stroke three wheelers. I don't really have anything, but you know, there again, we could build custom pipes if need be, whatever, uh, that that's not an issue with the two fifty R stuff. We, we brought the ATC high rev pipe back. Yeah. Um, and it's raw on the shelf right now. Chrome. I feel sorry for all my Chrome customers because they're, we're getting murdered by Chrome, uh, in the two fifty R stuff and in the, uh, uh, Banshee stuff. Uh, the TRX 250R pipes are, we're having some woes with getting materials, uh, which is going to affect all of our two-stroke pipes. Uh, I don't know if, if you run into it with building materials uh, and things that you just can't get right now. Yeah, I know, but luckily most of the parts that I need and needed the last year, I kind of have a little bit of a cushion with, but uh, yeah, it's tough out there right now. You, there was guys, even at this last race, you know, the announcer was announcing if anybody here has a, you know, a CDI box for a Suzuki 450 or, you know, go see so-and-so over here in the pits. And right. everybody was, you know, people were there in hopes that people were going to help them out. And they, they showed up there knowing they didn't have the parts to race, but there was, there's a lot of really good success stories where people were helping out each other with parts just because that's the racing world that we choose to be in. And it's a beautiful world. You know, I've been pretty blessed. I mean, we got to do the nationals back East. We had uh, a big racetrack here in uh, East County in, in San Diego uh, called Barona uh, <laughs> hidden Valley. I mean, it was, it was outstanding. We had, you know, a lot of the factory guys came there and raced and we raced three wheelers there for years. Um, the CM, CMMC uh, motorcycle track for the, for the kids, uh, for the small, small machines or the younger riders up until the one twenty fives. We raced at Verona for years. Uh, so we were very fortunate and those experiences with all of the dads and the friends of sharing parts and working with one another that stemmed a lot of the things that we do as, as a company and what we do is as, as humans for the racing world. Um, and my dad, Danny Duncan, the, the customer service policies that we have now are the policies that he enacted when he was kind of the boss and running the show. And, and you will take care of your clients. You will do these things. And, you know, we try to get a hundred percent success rate on taking care of people. Um, I, I, I don't think you're ever going to be able to make everybody happy, but we, we sure, we sure try. We want to give 110%. Um, and if we, and if we fail in that department, you know, we're standing there, we, we're going to take the shot. We're, we're not running away from it. If you're unhappy with something that we've done and, and we've done all we can, 
I, what else do we do? Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you your money back right now and you can go somewhere else. And I'm sorry. Yeah. Well, your reputation is awesome. And that's why you guys have been so successful for so many years. We, we try and, and, you know, the wheels round and I'm not trying to make it any rounder. I know that's kind of a funny saying, but, um, it's not broken. Don't try to fix it. In some cases. Yeah. You know, yeah. in cases, yeah. some of the exotic stuff, my brother's too conservative. Mm-hmm. We'll build your rocket ship, but there's a long conversation that happens before. <laughs> um, and then some disclaimers. And when you fire that rocket off, good luck. See you later. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it's a lot of fun and I love the industry and I love the people for the most part. And, uh, yeah. again, thank you so much for taking the time with me and taking the time to tell your story on ATV talk. Um, I think that a, we need to get a three-wheeler group together and sit down with a group of you three-wheeler guys. And, uh, I would love that. And I love that too. I'm putting it, I'm putting it out there on you right now. Okay. You and two more guys that you want to talk with. Let's sit down and let's have a group chat about three wheelers. That'd be awesome. Maybe we'll get someone of yesteryear in there too. And uh, it'd, be, it'd be a great thing. And like I say, what you're doing right now with your show and, and keeping history alive and telling history and all this good stuff. Thank you for doing it. Thank you very much. I'm, not, I'm a historian. I was a history major in college and what you're doing is amazing and awesome. I appreciate it very, very much. Well, thank you. And I know Mike Coe would be all over it. Spoke with him yesterday, and I guarantee he'd be all over it. Oh, he loves to talk about the old days. One of the coolest things is I, I know I'm, I'm I'm running over time, and I'm gonna get I'm gonna get some <laughs> grief from it, but whatever. Um, you know, you laugh. I'm not the guy that pulls all the strings. I'm the guy that sits down because I know the stuff. But I have a team behind me that that puts me in parameters and tries to keep the show. Um, limited on, we don't want to run too long. We don't want to run too short. We want to do this. We want to do that. So these girls are trying to teach me how to be a media guy, which I'm fighting tooth and nail, but whatever they're doing to help you, you're doing a great job. Well, thank you so much. Um, and I'll make sure to pass it on. But when my dad and Mike get together, it is the coolest thing. Your dad was on on the show with Mike one time, and it was probably one of my favorite episodes. You know, and I missed probably four hours of communicative of talk between them. Wow! Because I didn't, my mindset still wasn't. You should record this. It was enjoy the conversation. Yeah, yeah. And I just listened to the stories and the things they talked about, and and you lose that because you can't recreate it. Right. Right. And now every time that they're around, I hit record. Good for you. You may not use it, but they're so, they were talking about all the old machine shops and the guys that were working on stuff uh, back in the 60s, late 60s and the 70s. Um, I'm giving Mike's age away. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> um, and, and all these companies that did all these things out here in San Diego. And they were naming the companies off where they were, where they used to be in San Diego. And it was so cool. Yeah. Things that I had stories that my dad had never told me, you know, and uh, 
they they were talking about some guys that rebuilt cranks, you know, and back when the cranks were cast iron, you know, and <laughs> and, and just I mean, just so many cool little stories and, and history things that we're gonna lose. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I try to record dad as often as I can. Um, he gets a little tongue tied when we start recording that episode that you were talking about where I put them on together. Yeah. Didn't know that I was recording it. Oh, really? <laughs> That's why it went so smooth. Well, I talked to Mike and, and, and people have heard this, I'm sure, but I talked to Mike, I hit end. Dad sat there the entire time, said nothing. Soon as I hit end, he started talking to Mike. Wow. It took me about two minutes, and I just reached over and hit record. And now it announces that it's recording. Then it didn't. Uh-huh. And it recorded all of that 35 minutes or 25 minutes of conversation. Well, that's the same time when I had I hit stop then. They walked outside together, walked down to the shop, and two hours later, Mike left. Wow, wow. And 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 we brought Mike over to shoot the videos for the show. And we're in my dad's machine room. And they started, and that's the day I should have hit record. Wow, that's all the good stuff. Oh man, I lost so much good. People like you would have just sucked up the information and the old school things that they talked about. And the people from that era, not a lot of them are not a lot of them are alive still. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. That's why this show that you're doing is so, so dear to my heart, because like I say, I was fortunate enough to be around more, not so much on the racing side of things, but on the recreational side of things. Um, my whole life and, and meeting and seeing so many people, but, but being a fan of the race, even though I wasn't racing, being a fan of it and all three and four wheel magazines and all this stuff and reading about it. And, and you're, you're bringing it all full circle and, and it's beautiful. It really is. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to reach out to everybody. And uh, I know that I'm missing some people. And then I know some people have declined because they don't want to talk about it. Um, Dean. Dean initially said no, but when I had that live show, he said, yes, he's going to come and sit down with me face to face. And I just get to hit record and we get to talk. I'll have to turn the volume on extra high. because (laughs) He's so soft-spoken. Yeah. Yeah. I've hung out with Dean at a few of the races. In fact, one of the coolest things highlight of my little racing career was, uh, at, um, Elsinore Grand Prix, right? I'm at the starting line and I look right over and guess who's next to me on a three-wheel? Dean Sundahl. Dean oh. <laughs> probably, probably the coolest moment of my racing thing was just knowing that the king was right next to me at the starting line of this, this race. It was really, really cool. Take the picture. I can go home now. I'm good. <laughs> Didn't matter anything after that. I was like, I could say a race with Dean was cool enough for me. <laughs> oh, that's so awesome. That's so awesome. And the first time I got to meet him, you know, because we had the poster of him on the uh, 83, 84, 250R, you know, where he's all sideways, the Honda poster. You have it up in the shop, you know, and I'm standing at the counter and Dean Sundahl walks in and I'm like, uh, 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 you know. 
Yeah. I you bought something random, you know, like a cable or something that we had. See that? He bops out the door, and I'm just like, I can come running into my dad. Dad, that that was Dean Sundahl. (laughs) You know. Right, right. First time I hung out with him was at a Glamis, and uh, we camped together and rode all weekend and stuff. But uh, that was a different feeling than being at the race and looking next to him and go, wow. You know, I just want, it was a moment in time in my head. I just want to freeze it. And just, it was an aha moment. It was really cool. Fanboy. I, I mean, I, it's, it's the corniest thing to say, but it's a fanboy moment. You're just like, Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. yeah, I'm, 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 I'm gushing over it right now. And it's, I shouldn't yeah. be, I'm a grown man. <laughs> Super cool. Super cool. <laughs> <laughs> this, these are the moments and these are the conversations that I love because when, when we let our guard down and we talk about our true feelings to the individuals and what we felt when we were younger and, and, and the, the blessings that we have by being involved in this, it's, it's, it's incredible. It really is. It really is. Uh, awesome. Don't want to take up any more time because I said goodbye a half hour ago. The pleasure but, was all mine, sir. I really appreciate you. Uh, let me come on and just be a piece of your world and uh, hopefully we'll be able to, meet face to face and shake each other's hand, maybe even at Glen Helen in a couple of weeks. I'm hoping. Uh, and brother, it's our world. It's not mine. I, I'm just a cog in the wheels that, that turn this thing. And um, it, it, it's everybody like you and all the other racers and all the other people that come on the show that, that make it what it is. Uh, I, I'm just the outlet. And um, I thank you all for letting me do this. And um, I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate the support we're getting. Um, we're growing. Uh, amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, congratulations on the success. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm a huge fan of the whole way up to Utah and the whole way home. We were listening to you, man. Well, I appreciate that. And and now, now you get to sit down with the boys and they get to listen to your story. <laughs> I'm boring. They already know my story. They they live part of it. They're, they're not into that one. They're more into all your other guests. Well, that's awesome. All right, brother. You have a great night, and I will be in touch with you. Yep, but I look forward to it now. All right. Thanks, man. Have a great night. You too, man. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.